Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Do Hong Yu with you on this Thursday, December 28, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the World Health Organization says tens of thousands of people have fled Han Yunus in southern Gaza as Israel expands its offensive. Top U.S. and Mexican officials discuss migrant issues as a caravan is trekking to the U.S. And we'll review the top 10 events that define the world in 2023. In business, Chinese smartphone maker Xiaomi unveils its first electric vehicle. In sports, Manchester City returns to the top four in the English Premier League. In culture and entertainment, the story of a Shaolin Kung Fu master from India. Now, today's top stories. The World Health Organization says tens of thousands of people have fled Han Yunus in southern Gaza. Many of the displaced have run away from refugee camps in central Gaza, which have come under heavy bombardment as Israel expands its offensive. Associated Press reporter Isabel Debris has more. It was an intense night of bombing. We spoke to residents who said that it was the worst night since the beginning of the war for them in terms of the intensity of Israeli airstrikes. And we also saw that troops were fighting Hamas militants in the streets of the one of the refugee camps, that tanks were surrounding the area. And as a result, people were fleeing. There was this massive exodus. You saw Palestinians grabbing anything, any of their possessions that they could, babies in both arms. There was people helping their wounded relatives along. And then they fled to the nearby city of Deir al-Beleh, where the Israeli military had encouraged them to evacuate. But of course, this also raises concerns. Is this place safe? We've seen intensified strikes across the entirety of the Gaza Strip, raise the overall death toll in the war so far among Palestinians, according to health authorities, to over 21,000. We've seen Palestinians killed, most of them in confrontations with Israeli soldiers, but also some in confrontations with Israeli settlers to retaliate against Palestinians. And observers say this is sort of an extension of Israel's war against Hamas in Gaza. You see that Israel's trying to root out militants associated with Hamas or Islamic Jihad that are also in the West Bank. And as a result, it is using different tactics than it used to before the war. It's using tactics actually that it's using in Gaza, like airstrikes. That was Isabel Debris with the Associated Press. A World Health Organization official says only 20 percent of hospitals in the Gaza Strip remain functioning, and they're all overloaded. WHO coordinator Sean Casey has highlighted the shortage of health workers, medicines, and electricity. Almost all of the hospital beds, almost all of the hospital services have stopped functioning, either because the facilities themselves have been affected, because the staff have been forced to flee, because they run out of power, uh, or, or um, they've run out of uh, medical supplies, and, and or or the staff have not been able to access them. The official also pointed out that the biggest problem facing the remaining hospitals is a lack of room for more patients. The UN Relief Agency for Palestinian Refugees says there are no safe places in the Gaza Strip, and the only hope for the people is a humanitarian ceasefire. Some Palestinians are beginning to return to one hospital in northern Gaza to take shelter after the withdrawal of Israeli troops. The building is partially destroyed and no longer functioning. Nor Harrison takes a look inside. Al-Auda Hospital is in Jubalia refugee camp, northern Gaza, and once provided basic medical services for more than 116,000 refugees in the area. Now it's out of service. 
In mid-November, the Israeli army issued an evacuation order for both patients and displaced people inside the hospital. But hundreds of people, including medical staff, were unable to leave, fearing the heavy shelling around the medical complex. On November the 21st, Doctors Without Borders said two of its staff had been killed by an Israeli strike on the hospital. Tens of other medical staff and displaced people were killed in other raids on the building. My colleague was in this room. She walked to bring supplies, but Israeli snipers started shooting. She was shot here and fell down, and then the army shelled this bridge between the units. On December the 13th, the Palestinian Health Ministry reported that 240 people were trapped in Al Auda Hospital, surrounded by Israeli snipers. They had no access to clean water or food. Israeli forces then stormed the hospital, destroying several buildings and arresting dozens of men. It was a blockade on the hospital. Israeli snipers shot at anyone who moved. The army then separated us, forced us to take off our clothes and examine us. After that, they released some of us and arrested others, including medical staff. The Palestinian Health Ministry in Gaza says 23 hospitals and more than 50 clinics in Gaza have shut down since October the 7th due to Israeli attacks on medical facilities and the lack of fuel and supplies. That was Nor Harazin in Gaza. Spain says it opposes using the European Union's anti-piracy naval forces in the U.S.-led coalition to protect Red Sea shipping from Houthi attacks. Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez says the EU's Atalanta is not eligible to patrol the region. The EU's maritime mission currently operates in the Indian Ocean. Spain took over its command in 2019. Spain has rejected participation of the U.S.-led Red Sea Force. Yemen's Houthis have been launching strikes and cargo ships sailing toward Israel through the Red Sea to show support for Hamas. Israeli troops have also been raiding the West Bank. A new drone attack killed six people in Tukaram. Hundreds more in the region have been killed in clashes between Israeli soldiers and Palestinians over the past weeks. Trent Murray reports. There's been a lot of violence flare within the West Bank uh, since October 7th. Palestinian sources there say that 300 people have been killed. The latest incident uh, follows a night of quite significant violence there. Uh, a terrorist, uh, well, an anti-terror raid, according to the IDF, on the Nur Shams refugee camp. Now, it was there that there was an airstrike by the IDF. Six Palestinians were killed. Uh, what Palestinian uh, sources on the ground are saying is that the six Palestinians that died were young men aged 16 to 29 that had come out to see uh, the raid take place. Now the IDF has refuted that claim saying that the men opened fire on those IDF troops and threw grenades but it is a spotlight on an issue which is not necessarily getting as much attention as Gaza but it is one that is very much alive for the people living in the West Bank. These raids have taken place on a near nightly basis. We also understand the Israelis are launched raids in Bethlehem, Janine, Hebron and Tubas. Uh, it is one of those issues that has got a lot of diplomats worried, uh, both Israel's allies and others in the region, that uh, the situation in Gaza could spill over further into the West Bank and there could be more bloodshed. That was Trent Marie on tensions in the West Bank. Coming up, top U.S. and Mexican officials discuss migrant issues as a caravan is trekking to the U.S. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive. 
the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. It's eight minutes past the hour. Mexican President Andre Manuel López Obrador says meetings with high-level U.S. diplomats have yielded important agreements that will benefit both countries. A delegation led by U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has visited Mexico for border talks. They discussed how to control the surge of migrants and asylum seekers trying to enter the United States via Mexico. Frank Contreras has more. The delegation of top diplomats from the United States aims to convince the Mexican government to do more to reduce the flow of migrants over Mexico's southern border. The U.S. delegation includes top Biden administration officials, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. They are seeking solutions to counter the large number of unauthorized travelers. In the first 11 months of 2023, the Mexican government says it has counted 680,000 migrants traveling through the country. Mexico's president said on Wednesday that he'll continue to help the U.S. curb immigration flows, but he would like to see more resources and improved cooperation with Cuba and Venezuela. They need more and more support, and that is what the Congress should be proposing. With all due respect, such as authorizing resources for cooperation and support for poor people in Latin America and the Caribbean. The record numbers of undocumented migrants, many traveling with children, have been moving through southern Mexico on their way to the United States. The migrants insist they are fleeing extreme poverty and dangerous conditions that threaten their lives back in their homelands. The United States delegation hopes to convince Mexico's president to do more to block migrants from crossing Mexico's border with Guatemala. Mexico has already deployed 32,000 Army and National Guard troops to enforce immigration laws. But the president of Mexico insists that the best way to solve the problem is to deal with the social issues that are forcing people to leave their countries. That was Frank Contreras in Mexico City. New York Mayor Eric Adams has ordered charter bus companies transporting migrants to give a 32-hour notice before arriving in the city. Adams made the announcement alongside the mayors of Chicago and Denver, who also demanded more federal support for the influx of migrants into their cities. This is uh, really a weight on our entire uh, capacity here. This is a $5 billion budget for uh, this fiscal year and an additional $7 billion for the next uh, two years. And so not only is it a financial burden, it has also placed a great strain on the delivery of services in our city. And I'm sure both mayors will share the same uh, with how it has impacted their cities. The federal government must take responsibility and lead on this humanitarian crisis instead of leaving it for cities and localities to handle. As part of the executive order, New York is also mandating additional information on the population being transported before they arrive. Chartered buses will also be required to drop passengers off at a designated location during specific hours. The leader of Sudan's paramilitary RSF says he has met Uganda's president and discussed his vision for negotiations to end the war with the Sudanese army. 
It's General Mohammad Hamdan Daglo's first conf- confirmed appearance outside Sudan since hostilities began in April. Sudan's foreign ministry says Daglo was not able to travel to Djibouti for a planned initial meeting with Army Chief Abdel Fattah al-Burhan. The meeting in the current chair of regional body Egant will be rescheduled to January. Nigerian Vice President Kashim Shatima has paid a visit to a camp for displaced people in northern Plateau State following attacks that have killed at least 160 people. He spoke to survivors of recent violence in the area. When one community bleeds, the entire nation feels the pain. The pain we feel now transcends ethnicity or religion, geography or politics. The grief that binds us is a testament to our shared humanity, no differences. Gunmen attacked 17 communities over two days in the north central state. The Nigerian army and other security agencies have been looking for suspects, but arrests in such attacks are rare. Authorities in Nigeria have condemned the attacks and relocated some people to nearby Joes. Tessam Akende has more about efforts to help those people and the progress of investigation. The initial investigation reveals that uh, over 1,000 people, uh, according to local authorities, have been brought here in Jaws, uh, which is just about, uh, say, an hour or two drive from where the attacks have happened. Uh, You know, they've brought them to the Jaws University Chin Hospital, where they are receiving medical attention. The local authorities there say that, uh, I mean, the whole communities are in mourning. Hundreds of people, if not thousands, are displaced and are in need of humanitarian assistance. President Bola Tinubu has issued a very strong statement ordering security agencies to go out and pursue and uh, you know, ensure that the perpetrators are brought to book. Uh, that means uh, there has to be a lot of investigation. Uh, there are also calls from local authorities and, um, of course, religious or bodies, all you know, to ensure that um, this doesn't happen again. There's a call for security agencies to work more on intelligence gathering. There's also a very strong statement from Mr. President. He has said that, uh, you know, he has ordered relief to the communities. He has also, you know, promised to ensure that those who are receiving medical attention or their bills are picked up by the government. That was Tessa Makende on the aftermath of the village attacks in Nigeria. Police in the Democratic Republic of the Congo have fired tear gas and opposition supporters who continue to protest the presidential election results. Opposition candidates called for the rally in objection to the vote, where incumbent Felix Chisakedi has established an overwhelming lead. Chris Okamrenga reports from Kinshasa. An electoral dispute in the Democratic Republic of Congo has taken to the streets. Supporters of opposition candidates gathered outside a political party office in Kinshasa to denounce last week's elections. The election organized by Dennis Kadima was flawed. It may lead to bloodshed. Some people voted for the incumbent Felix Chishikedi, but the result showed that Moise Katumbi was leading at some polling stations. There was a mix-up in the results. Five opposition candidates called for this protest in Kinshasa that has been attended by their supporters. But the DRC's interior minister prohibited them from holding it, saying that it would undermine the electoral process. The protests planned by the opposition candidates has attracted men who have been chanting slogans against the government. 
The police have deployed heavily in this area, ready to break it up. A few hours later, the protest turned violent. The demonstrators threw stones at the police and the officers fired tear gas to disperse them. One of the opposition candidates who organized the protest condemned the police's response. When our supporters showed up in large numbers, the police decided to fire tear gas. It was terrible. We have 11 people who were seriously injured. Just take a look at this magazine. We fired live rounds and this bullet landed near me. Tensions have been running high in the DRC after the Electoral Commission started releasing partial results of the elections last week. The results showed the incumbent, President Felix Chisekedi, with a clear lead over his rivals. The opposition candidates say the vote was marred by many irregularities and are demanding fresh elections. Nearly 44 million people registered to vote in this year's elections. Vote counting is still ongoing. The Electoral Commission is expected to announce the full provisional results on December 31st. The opposition leaders have vowed to continue holding protests in other towns and cities across the country until the government heeds their call for a rerun. That was Chris Okamrenga reporting from the DRC. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up, the top 10 events that define the world in 2023. Time for a year-end review. Check out the most critical events from 2023 that could reshape China and the rest of the world in the coming months or years. Also, how has China's role changed on the global stage? Is it one step closer or further away from reaching the goal of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation in face of reinforced Western containment? And will the world get worse or better in the new year? Get all these on Chatlounge's last episode of 2023 anywhere you get your podcasts and on CGTN Radio. It's 18 minutes past the hour. China Media Group has unveiled its picks for the top 10 international news stories for 2023, highlighting big diplomatic events, global cooperation, and devastating conflicts. The top 10 international news events picked by CMG starts with China's head of state diplomacy. During a state visit to Russia in March, Xi Jinping and his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin agreed to deepen the comprehensive strategic partnership of coordination for a new era. In November, President Xi met U.S. President Joe Biden in San Francisco. The Chinese president proposed five pillars to ease strained relations and push cooperation between the two countries. My view is consistent, which is that major country competition is not a prevailing trend of current times and cannot solve the problems facing China and the United States or the world at large. Planet Earth is big enough for the two countries to succeed, and one country's success is an opportunity for the other. The meeting has charted a course for improving ties between the world's two largest economies. In March, President Xi proposed the Global Civilization Initiative at the Communist Party of China in dialogue with World Political Party's high-level meeting. In May, at the China Central Asia Summit held in the northwest Chinese city of Xi'an, the Chinese president and his counterparts launched the China Plus Central Asia Cooperation Mechanism.
In August, President Xi attended the 15th BRICS summit in Johannesburg in South Africa and paid a state visit to the country. In December, President Xi paid a state visit to Vietnam, charting a promising path of closer cooperation and friendship. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the China-proposed Belt and Road Initiative. In October, China hosted the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation and announced eight major steps for global modernization. A new round of conflict broke out between Hamas and Israel. The conflict resulted in over 20,000 fatalities on both sides, an overwhelming majority of them Palestinians. Israel's military actions in the Gaza Strip have led to a humanitarian disaster. A lasting and sustainable ceasefire has yet to be achieved. The international community has been calling for an immediate ceasefire and a return to the path of resolving the Palestine-Israel issue through the two-state solution. In March, China, Saudi Arabia, and Iran issued a trilateral statement in Beijing, announcing that Riyadh and Tehran agreed to resume diplomatic ties. China's top diplomat Wang Yi hailed the decision as a victory for peace. The China-brokered reconciliation has generated a ripple effect across the Middle East. Diplomatic ties were also revived between Bahrain and Qatar, Egypt and Turkey, and Syria and Saudi Arabia. As global economic recovery stutters, China remains a bright spot. To 4.6. So we see growth in China this year at 5.4, next year at 4.6. And you know, if you do the math, that means that this year, China is going to account for around one-third of global growth. The remarks were made by Stephen Barnett, a senior official of the International Monetary Fund. The IMF predicts advanced economies will see a 1% drop in economic growth in 2023. Emerging economies, including China, have shown their resilience. Many international institutions have upgraded China's economic growth forecast, with the figures for 2023 being about 5%. The Russia-Ukraine conflict, which began in February 2022, fell in a deadlock in 2023. Ukraine's summer counteroffensive failed to achieve a major breakthrough, and Russia announced a planned expansion of its armed forces. International cooperation broadened with the expansion of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the BRICS Group of Countries, and the G20. The SEO granted Iran full membership at its meeting of the Council of Heads of State in July. In August, at the BRICS summit, leaders of major emerging economies agreed to invite six countries to join the group, including Iran, Argentina, and Egypt. In September, at the G20 summit, the African Union became the second regional organization to join the bloc after the European Union. The year 2023 saw frequent extreme weather events due to climate change. The World Meteorological Organization said that 2023 is said to become the warmest year on record. The application of artificial intelligence saw a surge in 2023, with regulation and governance becoming a global concern. 
In January, Republican Congressman Kevin McCarthy became House Speaker after 15 rounds of voting in four days. But just nine months later, he became the first House Speaker to be ousted. Guo Yan has a recap of the top 10 most influential events around the globe. That was Guo Yan with a recap of the top 10 significant events of the world in 2023, as selected by China Media Group. A new high-speed railway stringing together non-top-level tourist spots has opened in eastern China. The 500-kilometer line connects Hangzhou with Nanchang. Officials hope it'll help drive tourism and the economy. Dai Kaiyi takes us along the route. I'm at the new Nanchang East railway station, just open to the public. From the outside, it looks like a giant sports stadium, if you will, perfectly designed to be the city's living room. The Hangzhou-Nanchang High-Speed Railway has a total of nine stations along its route, with seven stations located within the Jiangxi Province. Among them, Nanchang East Station is the largest, boasting a total construction area of more than 220,000 square meters. But it's more than just a railway station. The trains departing from here to Hangzhou mark the beginning of a world-class tourism corridor. Along the route, you have tourist spots like the Tengwang Pavilion in Nanchang, Huangshan Mountain, and Poyang Lake. And when you reach Hangzhou, there's the iconic West Lake. Right next to me is the Huangshan Bay Railway Station, and it's where you get to one of the most iconic scenery spots here in China, the Mount Huangshan, which is famous for its grotesquely shaped rocks and granite peaks. And of course, after this new railway route is launched, it cuts down the travel time by half. From Nanchang all the way to Huangshan here. So, what changes does this new line bring to the area? Let's hear what the railway authorities have to say. The opening of this high-speed railway spanning the provinces of Anhui and Jiangxi is a crucial link in the national eight vertical and eight horizontal railway network. It'll make it more convenient for us to travel to places like Huangshan Scenic Area and the world-class cultural heritage sites like Shidi and Hongkun. It'll play a vital role in supporting the local tourism economy. With the opening of the Nanchang-Wangshan section, it has shortened the distance in both time and space. This can further drive new urbanization along the route, promote the development of the tourism industry, and contribute to the construction of the Yangtze River economic belt. There are quite a few similar high-speed railway routes linking tourism sites in China, from Inner Mongolia to Lijiang in Yunnan. China boasts the world's largest operational high-speed rail network, surging from 9,000 kilometers of track in 2012 to over 40,000 kilometers today. Data from the national railway operator China State Railway Group shows that railway passenger flow hit 3.56 billion trips from January to November this year, a 126 percent year-on-year increase. The tracks laid down there provide for more than just a shorter commute time. They bring better connectivity between people, businesses, and cultures. They get that local brands to reach a broader markets, and also to get that understanding of local cultures to a wider population. That was Dai Kaiyi reporting. Winter resorts are a popular choice for holidaymakers as they plan their travel for the New Year and the Chinese New Year holiday. Altai City in China's Xinjiang region has become a popular destination, attracting ski enthusiasts with its supportive facilities and entertaining activities. To cater to diverse tourist groups, Altai has expanded its offerings to include coffee shops, photography workshops, and high-rated hotels. Taxis and buses are available for tourists to move between hotels and snow resorts. 
With a long winter season, Altay welcomed over 7 million tourists in 2022, generating about 800 million U.S. dollars in tourism revenue and creating 7,000 new jobs. Now it's 28 past the hour. Let's check the weather. Beijing is minus 7 on Thursday evening. Friday will be cloudy with a high of 3. Chongqing will have light rain with a low of 8 tonight. Tomorrow overcast and 11. Lhasa is minus 6 overnight, tomorrow sunny and 5. Hong Kong is 17 tonight, cloudy and 22 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo is 3 overnight, sunny and 14 on Friday. Islamabad is 6 this evening, tomorrow overcast and 21. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, the World Health Organization says tens of thousands of people have fled Han Yunus in southern Gaza as Israel expands its offensive. Top U.S. and Mexican officials discuss migrant issues as a caravan is trekking to the U.S. Dohong Yu with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the Donated world. An German railway company Deutsche director of the International the Monetary United Nations Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Dohong Yu with you on this Thursday. Still to come, in business, Chinese smartphone maker Xiaomi unveils its first electric vehicle. In sports, Manchester City returns to the top four in the English Premier League. In culture and entertainment, the story of a Shaolin Kung Fu master from India. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. And first, today's headlines, here's Zhu Tianlu. Thank you, Hong Yu. The Chinese Defense Ministry says the U.S. national defense bill that involves Taiwan is a gross interference in China's internal affairs and undermines China's sovereignty and, te- and development interests. A ministry spokesperson says the U.S. has severely impacted the global security system as it seeks to deploy more troops in the Asia-Pacific and hype up the so-called China military threat. The spokesperson reiterated China's opposition to any official and military contact with Taiwan by Washington. He urged the U.S. to stop arming Taiwan by any means.
A new highway has opened to connect Beijing with the state-level Xiong'an New Area, a development hub for the Beijing-Tianjin-Hebei Economic Triangle. Drivers can reach the area in Hebei from southwestern Beijing in less than one hour. The highway is a major transportation project within the Beijing-Tianjin-Hebei region. It is the most efficient direct route connecting Xiong'an with the Chinese capital. The Supreme Court of the U.S. state of Michigan has rejected an appeal to remove former President Donald Trump from the state's 2024 primary ballot based on the 14th Amendment's insurrection clause. The Michigan presidential primary is set to take place on February the 27th. Similar challenges have been filed in other U.S. states, though many have already been dismissed. Mexico has pressed the U.S. to reopen border crossings during a visit by U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The Biden administration is seeking help from Mexico to reduce migrant flows and cope with record numbers of people trying to reach the U.S. border, which is a key issue ahead of the U.S. presidential election. Mexican Foreign Minister Alicia Barcena says the country is willing to help ease migratory pressures, but the U.S. should also cooperate. The importance of reopening border crossings is a priority for us. We're talking about the economic part as well as the structural causes of migration. We're very interested in addressing the causes because people come because of poverty, inequality, violence, family unification. And we want to address their problems in the countries of origin. The meetings come after more than half a million migrants crossed the dangerous Darien Gap jungle into Central America this year, double last year's record. Many migrants were fleeing crime, poverty and conflict. In the latest development, the migrant caravan, which set off on Christmas Day, has arrived in the southern town of Esquintela, Mexico. Migrants are asking the authorities to understand their plight and offer job opportunities. Marvin Rodas is from Honduras. We want them to be aware and to put themselves in our shoes because we, as you see, come here struggling without bothering anyone and we come without disrespecting anyone. What we want is work, that is what we want. That they just give us one opportunity, that they help us with our permits because we choose to travel in the caravan for the same reason, because they don't give us a permit to travel in Mexico. The migrants walked in groups under the watch of the Mexican National Guard. A main opposition candidate in the Democratic Republic of the Congo has accused police of using live bullets to break up the protest in the capital. The demonstrators were demanding a rerun of last week's presidential election. Rights groups and international observers have also questioned the election's legality due to allegations of illegal extensions and widespread problems like eligible voter cards. Martin Fayulu is one of five opposition candidates who organized the protest in Kinshasa. He criticized the chairman of the Independent Electoral Commission, Dennis Kadima. Mr. Kadima must leave because he's unworthy of organizing elections and of taking on his role. He must justify the money he received from the public treasury to organize the elections. As of Tuesday evening, current President Felix Tshisekedi had secured almost 80% of the votes. The final results are expected before the new year.
At least 40 people are dead in north-central Liberia after a gas tanker crashed and exploded. Many were killed after flocking to the scene. The chief medical officer has warned the number of casualties could rise as dozens of people are still in hospital with serious burns. Poor road safety and weak infrastructure have made sub-Saharan Africa the world's deadliest region for traffic accidents. United Nations figures show that the fatality rate in the region is three times higher than the European average. Thank you very much. That was Zhu Tianlu with headline news. This is Dou Hongyu in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, smartphone maker Xiaomi unveils its first electric vehicle. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. Thirty-six past the hour. Turning to business, here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Hongyu. The Chinese mainland markets rebounded on Thursday, driven by strong foreign capital inflows. Chen Xuan has more. Mainland markets rebound on strong foreign capital inflows, with overseas investors snapping up big cap Chinese companies as policy expectations and the market's low valuation offered attractive opportunities. Now the Shanghai Composite opened higher and held the momentum during the session to close 1.4 percent higher. Now the picture in the Shenzhen market was even brighter as the Shenzhen component advanced to 2.7 percent and the China export jumped nearly 4 percent. Now the blue chip CSI 300 index rose nearly 2 percent. That is,、uh, it's. Biggest gain in five months. Now, foreign investors bought a net 11.3 billion yuan, that is 1.6 billion U.S. dollars, of the Chinese stock via Stock Connect so far on the day. So, on course to book the biggest daily inflow in five months. Now, sector-wise, new energy stocks jumped 6% to lead the gains, with companies including Longji Green Energy Technology and JA Solar Technology hitting the 10% daily limit. Now, shares in real estate developers, consumer staples, and tourism firms also rose between 2% and 3%. That was Chen Xuan in Shanghai. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index went up over 2.5%. In Japan, the Nikkei snapped a four-day winning run amid yen strength. To fall 0.42 percent. China's top economic regulator has issued guidelines for the development of two key areas in the south. In the south, under the Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area, under the guidelines set by the National Development and Reform Commission, Hangqin, an island in the special economic zone of Zhuhai, will become a hub to facilitate living and doing businesses with nearby Macau. The guidelines also outlined a development plan for Qianhai as the special cooperation zone between Shenzhen and Hong Kong. Chinese smartphone giant Xiaomi has unveiled its first electric vehicle, named Su7. The five-seater will start deliveries in February next year. Xiaomi first announced its bid to join the EV manufacturing race back in March 2021. Chief Executive Lei Jun says he expects his country to become one of the world's top five automakers in the next 15 to 20 years. 
The eight steps Chinese President Xi Jinping announced to promote high-quality Belt and Road cooperation has topped this year's list of 10 major international business news, handpicked by the China Media Group. It's followed by the president describing China as a synonym of the best investment destination in his written speech at this year's APEC CEO Summit in San Francisco. Also on the list are the rapid development of artificial intelligence, the economic impacts of the Gaza crisis and U.S. rate hikes, as well as the inauguration of Indonesia's Jakarta-Bandung high-speed railway. In addition, the regional comprehensive economic partnership coming into effect, Japan's release of nuclear-contaminated wastewater into the ocean, the stunning collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the all-time high of gold prices also make the list. Thailand has set an ambitious goal for the next year to attract 35 million tourists. Officials hope one-third of them will come from China. Steps to attract Chinese tourists include wavering uh, visa requirements. Wubin visits the country's capital Bangkok to find out how the tourism market is responding. The country's economy is heavily dependent on tourism. In late September, it announced a five-month visa-free policy to attract more Chinese visitors. The Prime Minister even visited the airport to welcome the first batch. Thailand was expecting over 4 million Chinese tourists in 2023, but officials say the exact number is likely to reach around 3.5 million. Safety has become a major constraint on traveling to Thailand. The situation has eased in recent months with the strengthening of security and the attention given to it by officials. Thailand has once again become a top five overseas destination for New Year's Eve on our platform. As Chinese travelers increasingly choose international destinations for extended holidays, Thailand expects a rise in Chinese tourists, especially around the new year. At popular tourist site in central Bangkok, we met many visitors coming from China. I came to Thailand to spend New Year's Eve. It's now visa-free, so entering the country is really smooth. It took just 15 minutes for me. People around me, including my family, have concerns over the safety of Thailand. But I think it's safe here. We have seven to eight people together this time. We were even eating outside the hotel around midnight yesterday. Looking ahead to 2024, the Thai government has set ambitious goals to attract more Chinese tourists. The China market is still the important market for, for Thailand. Next year, uh, we have the total target for 35 million uh, tourist arrival to Thailand. Uh, in terms of China market, we do hope that we can get up to 8 million visitors. Although the 8 million target is still lower than that of 2019, where over 10 million Chinese tourists visited the country, it still represents a huge increase compared to this year. And the coming New Year and Spring Festival are expected to get tourism arrivals off to a good start. There was Wu Bin on Thailand's tourism industry. Over to the Americas, the New York Times has become the first major U.S. media outlet to sue OpenAI and its biggest backer, Microsoft, over their artificial intelligence chatbots. The newspaper is accusing the two tech firms of using millions of its articles without permission to help train large language models. The Times is seeking unspecified billions of dollars in compensation and also wants OpenAI and Microsoft to destroy chatbot models and training sets that incorporate its material. 
chatbots have compounded their struggle among major media organizations to attract and retain readers. The Times ended September with 9.4 million digital-only subscribers, up from 8.6 million a year earlier, while print subscribers fell to 670,000 from 740,000. 2023 saw a wave of strikes across a variety of industries in the United States that led to some key gains for workers and historic highlights along the way. Dan Williams has more about the impacts of these strikes. This became a common sight in 2023, from healthcare workers to Starbucks employees. But it was the strike by the United Auto Workers against the so-called Big Three Detroit automakers, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, that dominated coverage. Tonight, for the first time in our history, we will strike. All three of the big three at once. So this strike against the Detroit Three automakers was historic, and it didn't strike every plant. It took a really unique strategy with this sort of rolling, expanding strike, where they would hit certain targets, wait a couple weeks, expand that strike to a few more targets, and really keep the automakers on their toes, so they didn't know what to expect. This was an auto strike like no other, and it was here in Belleville, Michigan, where a small piece of history was made, as Joe Biden became the first sitting U.S. president to join a picket line, an unparalleled show of support for organized labor. After arriving, Biden grabbed a bullhorn. You deserve the significant raise you need and other benefits. Let's get it. Back we lost. Okay. It was a huge. Absolutely huge moment when President Joe Biden came to visit the UAW on the picket line, and it only happened because of the pressure and because of the aggressiveness of Sean Fain and the UAW leaders. In late October, tentative agreements were reached with all three automakers. The UAW won big, emerging with lucrative contracts that locked in raises in wages of at least 25 percent, as well as boosting retirement contributions and other benefits. What they were able to do, again, was show that if you're aggressive, if you're organized, and if you know what you want going into it. You can achieve significant gains. Labor's having a moment right now, and that's only going to continue because of what the UAW achieved. According to data from Cornell University's School of Industrial and Labor Relations, there are almost double the number of strikes in 2023 compared to 2021. They included a strike by more than 75,000 healthcare workers at Kaiser Permanente. The country's largest non-profit healthcare organization. That too led to significant pay increases, a unique year of strike action, and some major gains for workers. There was Dan Williams taking a look back at a series of strikes across the United States this year. Finally, former European Commission President Jacques Delors, a key figure in the creation of the euro currency, has died at the age of 98. Delors had a high-profile political career in France, where he served as finance minister under President François Mitterrand in the early 1980s. From 1985 to 1995, he led the European Commission during a transformative decade for the bloc. Back to you, Hong Yu. Thank you very much. That was Wang Zihang with business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, Manchester City returns to the top four in the English Premier League. 
As 2023 comes to an end, we have to recognize what a phenomenal year it has been for several athletes and teams. Tune into this week's episode of Sideline Story to hear our thoughts on these performances. We also talk about some of the year's best performers and what we expect to see in 2024. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Turning to sports, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Hong Yu. In the English Premier League, Manchester City overcame a woeful first half to beat Everton 3-1 on the road and returned to the top four on the table. Trading 1-0 to Everton at the break, City fought back with Phil Foden's 53rd-minute goal from long range. Julian Alvarez's penalty and the late goal by Bernardo Silva completed the comeback win. Pep Guardiola says he's glad to see the team not distracted with their club World Cup campaign. Yeah, really, really important. You said it was a massive win for us. After we came from, from Saudi Arabia to be the world champion. Yeah, really pleased go down and how we react and prove it again, how special is this group of players, this club already, no group of players, all the club, the mentality that we, we have all of us in our bones. Meantime, Chelsea ended its last home game of 2023 with a 2-1 win over Crystal Palace after substitute Nomi Maduaki converted a late penalty for the host. It was just Chelsea's sixth home league win of the calendar year. In Thursday's action, Arsenal plays West Ham and can be back on top of the table with a win. Manager Mikel Arteta says he wants to see more consistency from his side. Well, what I say is that I would love that we score five goals every week, you know. Uh, I would prefer that those goals are shared because I think it's more probable that this is going to be consistently maintainable. And I think well, this is what we've done, you know, the amount of goals that we share in the squad, I think is really, really positive. We want more goals. We want more goals from our strikers, that's for sure. And, uh, and I think we've got them within the team. The Gunners will be without five players for the London derby at home. Thomas Partey, Urien Timber and Fabio Vieira are still sidelined, while Kai Havertz is banned, having collected five yellow cards. Barcelona has officially unveiled new signing Vita Roque after the Brazilian teenager joined the Spanish side from Atletico Paranaense. Reports suggest that the La Liga side will pay an initial 30 million euros for transfer fee, with another 31 million due in potential bonuses. The 18-year-old says he can't wait to start playing for his dream team. Thank you very much. I'm very happy with everything that has happened in my life. It is a dream come true now. I wish to learn with the group and enjoy myself. And I always want to get the ball and try to learn as much as possible from the whole group and to score goals as well. Roque has signed a seven-and-a-half-year deal with the Spanish champions, which is valid until the summer of 2031. He arrived having already made a big impression in his native Brazil, scoring 28 goals in 80 games. Japanese forward Kaoru Mitoma is a major doubt for next month's Asian Cup after sustaining an ankle injury with Brighton. The Premier League club says Kaoru is expected to be out for around six weeks. The 26-year-old suffered his injury in Brighton's one-all draw against Crystal Palace last Thursday. The Asian Cup in Qatar begins on January 12th, and the four-time winner Japan has been drawn in Group D with Indonesia, Iraq and Vietnam. Turning to tennis, Carlos Alcaraz triumphed over world number one Novak Djokovic in an exhibition match in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. The Spaniard won the match in three sets, but was all humble in front of his opponent. You know, I grew up watching him winning the big tournaments, and uh, 
you know, I always dream about uh, being in, in this position, playing against him face to face. You know, I'm really, really happy to, to be able to do that. Uh, hopefully, keep going, you know, as uh, I said many, many times, and uh, himself said as well, he seems like he's 20. So we, we are going to set the core more than once. Prior to Wednesday's duel, Djokovic had led the pair's head-to-head record with three wins to Alcaraz's two. The match in the Saudi capital is part of the Riyadh season, an annual festival of arts, culture and sports. It includes the upcoming Riyadh Season Cup football tournament in early February. The main event features Cristiano Ronaldo's Art Nasa up against Lionel Messi's Inter Miami. In sailing, Law Connect won line honors in the 78th edition of the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race, holding off defending champion Andrew Comanche by less than a minute in an exciting finish. The pair of Supermaxis had dueled for much of the race and were well ahead of the rest of the fleet that started the race on Tuesday in Sydney Harbour. Law Connect, which was run-up in the last three editions of the race, finished within one day, 19 hours and four minutes. It was the second closest finish in Sydney to Hobart history after Condor Bermuda beat Apollo by seven seconds in 1982. And finally, in the NBA, Kevin Durant had a 27-point triple-double with a career high of 16 assists, helping the Phoenix Suns beat the Houston Rockets 129-113 to snap a three-game losing streak. Eric Gordon matched Durant with 27 points in his first game back in Houston since being traded in February. Elsewhere, Yanis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton combined for 59 points, and the Milwaukee Bucks pulled away for a 144-122 victory over the shorthanded Brooklyn Nets. The Nets rested three starters and barely played two others in their second of the back-to-back games. Shai Gilgis Alexander and Jalen Williams each scored 36 points to help Oklahoma City Thunder hold on to beat the New York Knicks 129-120. Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang. Coming up in Culture and Entertainment, the story of a Shaolin Kung Fu master from India. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, everyone. I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. It's 53 minutes past the hour. Turning to culture and entertainment, researchers in Nanjing have revealed evidence of undiscovered past of the city in eastern China. The capital of Jiangsu province was once widely considered to have an urban history of 2,500 years, but new archaeological research rewrites that. This comes after the excavation of an ancient city named Chang'an that existed more than 3,100 years ago. Dating to the Xiang and Zhou dynasties, experts say the city's walls were flanked by trenches, which is an important indicator of a fortification system used by ancient cities. Aside from portions of the city's walls and trenches, archaeologists also discovered wa- uh, water wells built in the late Xiang dynasty, as well as kiens for brick firing and a pit for pig sacrifices. An Indian football player has transformed into a Shaolin Kung Fu master and established a culture center in Mumbai to promote Chinese martial art. After five years training at a Shaolin temple, he's perfected his martial arts prowess. K.S. Ashik has this story. Shaolin Kung Fu, one of most famous Chinese martial arts that has won impassioned fans around the world. Harsh Varma is a Shaolin martial artist who has achieved many remarkable feats in his life. 
He is the first Indian who have been adopted as the Shaolin warrior monk. He is also an actor, a martial arts instructor and the founder of Shaolin Temple Culture Center in India's Mumbai. He was born to a family of actors and developed a passion for sports in his early childhood. However, Harsh's budding career as a soccer player was cut short by a knee injury which also revealed a malignant tumor. He decided to try and heal himself with the alternative medicine practiced at China's Shaolin Monastery. He quickly fell in love with Shaolin culture and philosophy and spent five years training at the famous Shaolin Temple. Shaolin Temple has a lot of impact in alignment of your mind, body and spirit. Uh, the one of the major things that I got to learn was awareness of breath because through awareness of breath comes awareness of self. So this was one of the major teachings in the Shaolin. Even in yoga we have this. So if you see Bodhidharma practiced yoga, Ayurveda and Kalaripayattu, these are the three teachings combined of uh, Bodhidharma and his master, Mahakasapa, uh, you know, that time his master told him to go to China and spread this, you know, teachings. What? 2021 September, we opened the official Shaolin Temple Cultural Center of India, which is the Shaolin Temple Warrior Monk and Cultural Center. And it is the first official cultural center in India where we teach and follow the curriculum that is sent directly from the Shaolin Temple China. And we are happy to be spreading and, uh, the Shaolin culture and restoring lost Indian culture that was started by Bodhidharma. Meanwhile, Shaolin Kung Fu and India's Kalaripayattu share historical roots in ancient martial art traditions. Despite the different geographical and cultural backgrounds of these two martial arts, there are similarities in many of their techniques, such as their stances, strikes and kicks. Trade exchanges along the historical Silk Road and the influence this wielded on a cultural level may have contributed to the subtle connection between these two fighting arts, demonstrating the interconnectedness of diverse global traditions. That was K.S. Ashik on the story of a Kung Fu master from India. An exhibition featuring oil paintings by contemporary Chinese and Spanish painters is underway at the National Center for the Performing Arts in Beijing. Over 100 oil paintings by 103 artists, including prominent painters Zhong Han and Antonio Lopez Garcia, are on display. The exhibition focuses on the subject of realism, allowing viewers to observe the distinctive features of artists from both countries. The exhibition runs until mid-January. Now it's 27 past the hour. Before we go, let's check the weather. Beijing is minus 7 on Thursday evening. Friday will be cloudy with a high of 3. Chongqing will have light rain with a low of 8 tonight. Tomorrow overcast and 11. Lhasa is minus 6 overnight. Tomorrow sunny and 5. Hong Kong is 17 tonight, cloudy and 22 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo is 3 overnight, sunny and 14 on Friday. Islamabad is 6 this evening, tomorrow overcast and 21. Bangkok is 25 overnight, then cloudy and 34 on Friday. In Africa, Nairobi will see light rain with a high of 28 tomorrow. Finally, to Oceania, Sydney is 20 this evening, tomorrow will have light rain with a high of 24. That's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, the World Health Organization says tens of thousands of people have fled Han Yunus in southern Gaza as Israel expands its offensive. Top U.S. and Mexican officials discuss migrant issues as a caravan is trekking to the U.S. On behalf of the staff, this is Do Hongyu in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Takeaway Chinese. 
where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Take away Chinese. We will promise you a difference. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From north to south, east to west. People in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. 